everybody. This is Chris. And Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Alon Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of PetAbility. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MedcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MedcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MedcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility. I'm your host, Kathy Simons. And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives. Good afternoon, Kathy. How's it going today? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well today, and um, I'm really excited um, to talk with our guest today. Me too. Uh, today, we are going to be speaking with professional dog groomer, Megan Tewilliger. Megan is a member of the New England Pet Grooming Professionals, as well as the National Dog Groomers Association. Megan is the co-owner of the Soggy Doggy in Norwood, Massachusetts, where her and her partner opened their doors in 2011, and since then... They received yearly accolades from the Reader's Choice Awards. And this is a pretty big deal because it's voted in by the people in your community. Um, so they've been sort of recognized as uh, uh, top dog, if you will, will in, the, in their field. Um, and yeah, I know. <laughs> I went there. Yeah. And uh, Megan, Megan and her partner are also certified fear-free groomers. Um, and this is what I, I would really like to delve in today uh, with Megan, as well as about, you know, about uh, regular grooming and how that can contributes to the health and well-being of our pet. But also, I you know, and how it relates to uh, mobility as well. You know, and there's been a big movement um, over the years to, in veterinary medicine to move towards fear-free practices you know, to make these experience or these overall experiences more pleasant and less frightening for animals. And so I'm really excited to see that other animal professionals are moving towards uh, having this fear-free experience for our dogs and how that, ex how that you know, affects their, their emotional lives as well. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce you my friend, and more importantly, my dog's groomer, Megan Tewilliger. Welcome, Megan. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Thank We're excited you. to have you. <laughs> so I'm going to just delve right in because as Kathy mentioned, uh, I think we want to focus a little bit more based on kind of the overarching theme of, of our podcast 
into the health and well-being side of grooming. You know, growing up, I, you know, thought dogs only got groomed if they were fancy dogs because I grew up in rural Iowa. So, you know, we, we plunked our dogs into the tub and, and that was, you know, about it. Um, but Megan, can you describe why grooming is so vital for our pets' overall health and well-being in terms of not just to smell good or look good, but how does it impact their health? Um, of course, I'd love to. Um, for so many reasons, grooming is, uh, is vital for, for that reason. We as groomers are really the front line of defense for the dog's health, in my opinion. Um, we see the dogs generally on a four to six week basis, um, which is much more frequently than a veterinarian um, gets their hands or eyes on a dog, which is usually only annually once a year um, for their general physical checkups and all of that, unless there's a problem. Um, they're really only seeing these dogs once a year and we're getting to see them get our hands on them all over their bodies. Um, we tend to notice any sort of, um, you know, different skin growth or a growth that's gotten bigger or a growth that's gotten different in color, different in size, um, a, a dark spot on a skin, um, things like that, that we didn't, we noticed cause we're looking for it that the owners may not notice or may not feel. And a lot of the times they don't, they're quite surprised when we tell them. So um, just in general for that kind of thing, uh, also skin and coat health is super important for dogs um, and keeping them clean of mats and free of mats and matting. Um, dogs, a lot of dogs right now have skin issues, uh, itchiness and things like that, that all can be seen at your groomer and helped from your groomer. Um, we discover ear infections, skin infections, like I said, growths and stuff. We see fleas and ticks and treat that kind of stuff. Ears and ear infections, um, which I think I already said actually, but oral health, oral hygiene is a big one. A lot of people aren't looking in their dog's mouths, um, but we are doing that for you. So for me, it's, it's, um, all that stuff is like, I like to call it kind of like a holistic experience because the way. I care for your dog when they come to me is that I'm caring about everything to do with, with your dog, just their health, how their nutrition at home might affect their experience with me, what that might look like for their skin. Um, and just every, I just want your dog to have a good experience when they're with me. So I, I personally think grooming is extremely vital because I look at all of these things. Um, when the dog is with me. Mm -hmm. I, I like how you say that you're the, the front, the front line, you know, in these animals healthcare, and it really is true. And what we should consider you as part of our, as part of our team, as part of this dog's team. So yeah. for me, you're part of team Mac, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you see him every, you know, four weeks, um, which is more than you said, less more than my veterinarian does. And he has an itchy, you know, an allergy condition. And so I'm able to stay on top of that because Megan is kind of all up in his, you know, she's all up in his business, inspecting <laughs> his wrinkles. He, right. he's, he's into it, but, but inspecting him overall and maybe even some places that I probably don't necessarily uh, think to check as well. So um, Megan, I have a couple of questions for you though, too, sure. about things like the, um, the hair and the skin coat and so forth and matting, because Chris and I were having a discussion about how, you know, grooming affects uh, mobility, you know, from our perspective, because we're rehabbers, right? Right, right. So I'm thinking that even these, even little or small mats in dogs are probably painful, right? So when I, so when I find mats on dogs, I 
I either tell them to go to the groomer or you know, I, I'll try my very best to brush it out, but I'm, you know, whatever, I can't do it. <laughs> but right. even these, even these small mats, even small hair mats, do you think that those are painful? It seems like it might pull at the skin. And from my perspective, that seems like if you're pulling at the skin, you're pulling at the myofascia, or if it's in an area like under your belly or your limbs that restricting movement, have you found that to be true as well? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, uh, a lot of the common space for matting on a dog is behind the ears, um, in the legs, in the armpits, like you said, the kind of the groin area. And those are all motion areas. You know, the dogs need to move their ears there. You see dogs scratching at their ears. If there's a mat there and they're scratching at it to try and like relieve themselves from that pain, they're actually going to start causing themselves more discomfort because if their nails are too long or, or, or have a blunt edge to them, they can start actually opening that skin up too and causing more irritation. Um, I've, I've had dogs, this is not so common, um, especially with clients that, you know, come on a regular schedule. However, um, dogs that are so severely matted, uh, prevents them from doing much of anything. Quite honestly, I've, I've had dogs in the past that are completely matted head to toe that, have been, um, are not, they cannot defecate because everything's matted. Their tail is matted to their body. I've had a dog, I've had to shave a dog whose tail was matted to his back leg. Oh my God. Um, I mean, it's bad. It's like that stuff is definitely, it's painful. I mean, I, I even just compare it to like, even just the little, little things, like you said, like just a couple behind the ears or whatever. If you, if you have ever had long hair and you wear your hair up in a ponytail all day, and you get that, you know, pulling your hair is just pulling in the same spot and you're, it, you, it feels tight. It's uncomfortable. You start getting a headache. You're like, you know, starting to like bother your head and you want to take your hair out. Like they can't do that. Yeah. That's what we have to do. We have to be responsible for that. Yeah. I've seen a couple of cases uh, with over the years, uh, particularly this one little dog in mine that was uh, taken from a, a, a pretty bad, uh, was, was confiscated. Uh, basically by the law because she was so badly neglected and um, she had so much hair matting that she had actually lost so much muscle mass that she had to be hospitalized with us for three weeks after her grooming just to be able to start walking again because that's how severe her muscle atrophy had wasted she had basically wasted her muscles had wasted away from from lack of mobility and of course those are extreme cases but still you know overall hair matting affects it does. Mobility. <laughs> it does. It affects mobility because if, especially with a dog like that, if the dog can't physically move because they're, it's so matted that they can't move or they can, but it's so painful to move and they choose not to, then of course their muscles are going to atrophy and waste. And, and that is, that's terrible. That's yeah. just terrible. Yeah. It should never get like that. Yeah. It's, it's like their fur, their coat, their hair can become like a body cast almost. It is. Essentially yeah. they're like they're stuck coon. in a costume that they can't get out of. Wow. Wow. So for our listeners, I want to remind them about how important the skin is because not only for people, but also in our pets, the skin is actually the largest organ in the body. So it has such an important function in terms of protection from wounds, uh, preventing uh, bacteria and viruses from getting inside the body and getting to, you know, those other organs like the heart and the, and the liver and such, and also things like thermal regulation. So it is something that needs to be cared for, just like you would care for every other uh, organ in in a being. Right, Megan? Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So actually, um, 
the the skin on a dog goes through a keratin keratinization process, um, and it's a twenty one day cycle. Um, so, so when groomers recommend that you get your dog groomed every four to six weeks, it's coming from a specific spot. We kind of just generalize the 21 day to a, 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 a month because that's easier for us to remember than 21 days. But really it's because that cycle, um, is of cells dying and, and, and shedding. And that is, that's what needs to be removed. So frequent grooming and in that cycle is you want to keep going so you can take off that layer of dead skin and debris and uh, make sure that the skin can breathe and is getting proper circulation and oxygen and things like that. Um, and you're removing out any dead coat that might be laying there, preventing the skin and coat type of that dog to do its natural process. Cause each, each dog breed or each coat type um, is designed to regulate a dog in, in a different way. So um, if we care for that properly and keep them all on a, on a monthly cycle, um, they generally are healthier, healthier dogs for that. Wow. I'm learning so much already. I know. I, I didn't, to... I didn't know that either. Chris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, either. Um, I, I just want to piggyback on that then sure. because you're talking about like this, this shedding and this 21 day cycle. Isn't it true that a lot of folks that have allergies to their pets, it's not the fur or the, the coat itself, the hair, it's, it's oftentimes the dander. Yeah, it's the dander. Right. Hmm. So it's can you explain that a little bit and, and how that can help with like the humans in the household, uh, maybe not being as allergic, if you will? Yeah, you know, I don't know that much about people's allergy reactions to that kind of thing because I don't deal with it personally. Um, um, so if, if your dog is constantly getting regular grooming on the monthly schedule or every four to six weeks, I would assume that you would have a less allergic household because that debris and dander that is uh, going through that cycle, that dead and dying cells on the surface of the skin is being removed, that you would have uh, less of a reaction allergy wise. So Megan, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, if, if that dander can be minimized, then not only can the people that care for the pet interact with that pet more comfortably, but also just preventing that dander from escaping into their environment, you know, getting on the sofa yeah. and um, in the carpet and things like that, where, you know, could exponentiate their, their allergies and their discomfort. Yes, I agree. I'm going to, uh, I just want to touch before I move on to the next thing, I just want to touch a little bit on nail trims. And um, I want to say as a veterinary technician, the, the scariest words I've ever heard in my life are pub nail trim. Uh, <laughs> it's terrifying to me uh, because there are so many dogs out there, particularly pugs are, or can be quite dramatic about their, their nail trimming. And I'm going to ask you about the fear-free uh, grooming in a bit. But what I want to say about that is, first of all, when I tell people that their dog's toenails are too long, I think they're always surprised. Um, and I think there's been at least one occasion where Megan told me my dog's toenails were too long and I was surprised. So we want to talk a little bit about, you know, the appropriate length for the toenails. But also I, I want to touch on the rehab part that this the toenail trimming, it, this cannot be uh, overstated. It is so important for mobility. Right. And the reason it's so important for dogs to have their toenails trimmed is because dogs are digigrade animals. And that means that they walk on their toes. So if their nails are too long and they have to rock back on their feet, 
to make room for their nails, now they've changed their posture. And if you think about it in terms of yourself, you know, humans are, are plantigrade animals, and that means we walk on our heels. But what if you changed your posture and walked around like that all day? What if you walked on the ball of your foot or on your toes? Think about how your calves might feel, how your foot might feel, how your thighs might feel. I imagine by the end of the day, it probably would not feel good. Can we talk about what the appropriate nail length is for dogs? Yeah, I mean, you're right. If you don't want them touching the ground, um, I would say most everybody's dog's nails are too long. Um, <laughs> if I could put a general blanket statement out there, I would say that people can't do nail trims often enough. Um, um, yeah, Kathy, nail trimming is very important. And I would say that um, you're, what you said is right, that if the nails are hitting the floor, that's too long. And I would go so far as to saying that most people's pet dogs have nails that are too long. Um, and it just might be convenience or people just don't think about it. But um, every two to six weeks is really a, is a good time to get your dog's nails done. If you start hearing them dragging or clicking on the floor um, or you just notice it from the way that they're standing, that their their feet are splayed out, their toes are pushed out because their nails are growing so long that they're starting to curl, um, things like that, that's not comfortable. Um, monthly is probably the most um, easy thing for people to remember and to actually follow through on getting the dog's nails done monthly. If your dog gets groomed every four to six weeks, you're probably good, but you could pop in, you know, sometime in between that to get your dog's nails done. If your groomer thinks that they're too long, that's, I would just go by what your groomer says too. If you're unsure, you could always ask your groomer, ask your vet. You know, I think that the other thing that people don't think of about the nails is it, I mean, one, like we said, you know, how it affects posture, but also, you know, when you're standing and your nails are too long, that those nails push back into the nail bed, right? And that right. that that causes discomfort. And and there may that may even be a contributing factor um, to osteoarthritis in the foot, that constant uh, pushing up in the nail bed like that. Um, so, you know, we can't state this enough about nail trims. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's imperative. It is imperative. And I, I've seen them go so far as to be grown into paw pads. I've seen oh. cat toenails that have been like actual spiral curls. Yikes. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. And when it gets into the nail, the, uh, not the nail, but the paw pad, um, you know, you're going to start, so you're going to have a torn paw pad. It's going to get infected. Ugh. You know, things are, so now that's an open wound on the bottom of a foot that touches every sort of ground surface with every kind of bacteria getting in it. They're constantly looking at it. Um, yeah. And if you're not checking your dog's feet, you might not even notice it, but they are, that kind of a thing is going to put them in extreme discomfort. Right. And given the importance of your dog's foot, I think you should treat it as one of your dog's greatest assets to take care of the foot and the nails. I agree. I would <laughs> say that I completely agree. And, and Kathy, to your point too, I, I absolutely agree with your statement of, of the contribution of the nails to arthritis in the feet. We've talked about this before on other shows where, you know, there are so many little joints in, in the, the feet of both the front and rear uh, legs and a number of tendons and ligaments and connective tissue and fat pads and all of that stuff. And if, you know, any person who is had the experience of a dog with uh, a wound, you know, um, to their pad or a torn nail, um, which again, they're at increased risk, I think, of catching a nail that's too long. And, you know, I've seen so them literally yeah, ripped out of, of the nail bed. Um, 
you know, how much that hobbles them, how many nerve endings are there, but, you know, back to your arthritis comment, you know, the, the long nails are going to put all those little joints in a less than ideal biomechanical position so that they're more uh, susceptible to wear and tear. And because mm-hmm. they're a little joint that can happen very quickly. Yeah. And Megan, what do you say to those people that say, well, yeah, I would love to, to trim my dog's nails more frequently, but this is a famous quote, <laughs> their quicks are too long. <laughs> <laughs> so, so every time you cut the nail, the quick recedes a little bit. Um, so that's how you get them shorter. The more often that you cut a dog's nails, the quicker you can get that quick back. So when we're trying to um, work back a dog's quick to get a short nail, we actually do have them come in usually weekly um, for a while, probably like a month to six weeks we do every week. And then we move them to every other week. And then we can graduate slowly to like doing once a month. Um and to be clear, you're you're just trimming off a little bit, right? Because just a little bit, yeah. And sometimes the angle of how you trim the nail is also really important, um, mm. especially when you're trying to work that back. So I don't have the ability to show you on a diagram, but I'll try my best to explain it. Great. If you think about a nail like sort of like a hook, like it arches down, um, and and you cut that at a at an angle, right? So then you end up with like a straight edge. If you actually cut the nail kind of perpendicular to the floor, if that makes any sense. So you cut it so there's a, mm-hmm. there's more off of the top than there is off the bottom. Then the dog is going to start walking and naturally wearing that bottom part off itself. Um, so, so that's a good thing. That's what we yeah, want so to that's do. That's a good thing because okay. that's 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 constantly working every time they walk on pavement or whatever. That that little bottom piece. Um, is going to wear back too. So you're, so you're encouraging them almost to self trim their nails at home, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And and I I can totally picture what you're describing. And so oftentimes there's like a little point and that's on the top side. And so by trimming back that little point, then that allows for the pet to more naturally on pavement, maybe kind of sand off, if you will, the other portion. And then their, their quick will, will work back. I want to remind our our listeners too what the quick is, because sometimes people haven't um, familiar with that term. So can you explain that? Yeah, so there's there's a blood supply. It's a little vein inside of the nail shell um, itself. And that part is what bleeds if you cut a nail too short. Um, but it also grows longer with the nail if the nails are left untreated. Um, I know we'll t- kind of reference my my business page. It's painful if you cut it. It's, it's painful. It's very painful if you cut it. It's very painful if you cut it, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I know we'll reference, you know, the where you can find all my stuff later on in the mm-hmm. in the podcast. But um, I did over, over this COVID break, do a lot of videos for my clients um, when we were closed down because we were worried that, you know, people didn't have resources of like, now they, now they might have to groom their dogs at home right. or do their dog's nails or how do we do their, pluck their ears and clean their ears. And people just don't do that because they pay somebody else to do it. Right. Um, so, <laughs> That's so, fantastic that you created the videos. Yeah, so yeah, there are videos and they're still up. So if anybody has um, any questions after hearing this about nail trimming or anything like that, there is a video there and I can also do my best to help answer any questions about that. Fantastic. Thanks. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the fear-free grooming because I'm very excited about that. 
Me um, too. But I want, I, first of all, Megan, I want you to to tell the audience, why should we be concerned with our dogs and cats having a fear-free grooming experience? Why should that concern us? So why shouldn't it concern us? Um, <laughs> I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> that's the better question. Um, because so why did everybody wants to have a pleasant experience in everything that they do? Um, animals right. are no different. Um, and this is a part, this is something that is a part of their lives for their whole lives. Um, and should mm-hmm. be, um, since yeah. they're little until they're old. And mm-hmm. if it's a negative experience that they have to go through every four to six weeks, that, that really is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want that. You want them to have an experience that they, I like to say, I don't like to groom a dog and do something to a dog that is just letting me do it. I like to have an active participant who is joining in in my conversation, if that makes any sense. Well, I've seen it. Actually, my dog will join in his conversation with you. And I I, I like this answer. And, you know, from from my perspective as a veterinary technician, if I can make the dog's experience positive, it's the best of my ability because I can't always alleviate all fear at the veterinary, but I do my best to try and alleviate its fear as I, as I can, because then I develop a relationship with that dog. And if that dog becomes ill, there's already a trust relationship established between me and that dog. Right. right. So when that dog comes in and they're not feeling well, they already trust me. They're not afraid of me. It makes my job easier, but it also makes them less afraid. It also makes them, you know, more at ease. It also makes their owners more at ease that I've had, I have this relationship with their, with their pet. Right. So I think it's really important. I love your answer. Why shouldn't we be concerned with this? It's about their quality. It's a quality of life issue. It's a quality of life issues. Yeah. And I, I feel the same. I want to, I want the animal to have a positive experience. There's no, there's no reason that whatever I'm doing should be negative. And I can't, like you said, I can't make every dog like grooming. Some, some dogs just don't. Um, and there's nothing I can do to change their mind, but I can make it as pleasant as possible for them while they're in my care. And I always do do that. So I'm still- You know, the thing that also I, I want people to think about too, is that I think it translates too. So how many times, Megan, if you had a dog in your, in your salon where they've had a bad veterinary experience and now that sort of translated to being afraid of the groomer or vice versa for me, a dog that's had a traumatic grooming experience is now therefore afraid of, you know, at, at the yeah. vet because they've, yeah. it's translated. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's sad. I actually have, um, we've gotten quite a, quite a few clients who have come in from other grooming places or, or like you said, just like, Oh, he hates the groomer, hates the vet. Mm-hmm. Um, has to be sedated for this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? So we always have them um, come unsedated. And, you know, people are really nervous to do that after they've been told their dog needs to be sedated. They're nervous to trust us to let them try. Yeah. And most of the time, um, you know, it's just like, oh, they just don't really like their nails trimmed or they don't like it when you touch their one back foot or they don't like it when you're handling them that way. But if you're listening to what the dog is telling you, which groomers should be and not all do, um, but but if you're listening to what the dog is telling you, there's no reason you can't work around whatever their issue is. You know, there just, there just isn't. And that's what I was going to ask you to to extrapolate on because I was still confused. Like, you know, what does a fear-free appointment look like? Like, what what accommodations do you make? You know, how is it different from from, you know, maybe a a salon that isn't uh, certified in fear-free grooming. 
you know, what do you do specifically? Fear-free grooming and the way that we groom um, at our salon is that it's an overall health and well-being, and that includes mental health of an, of an animal's while they're in our care. Um, so that means that if we have a nervous dog on the table where somebody else might just disregard the dog's emotional feeling about it and just get it done, do it quickly, get it done, doesn't have to look pretty and send it out the door. So if I have um, a first-time client or, or not even a first-time client, a repeat client that I'm working with trying to get them um, acclimated to the grooming process, the first thing is watching how they walk through my door. Um, oftentimes the nervousness starts on the car ride actually over to the salon. And so you have to actually um, get the owners to participate in, in preparing the dog for the grooming, which starts with how are they putting the dog in their car? You know, are they putting the dog like running around trying to catch the dog and saying, Oh, we're going to the groomer today. And the dog already doesn't like that word. Right. So then they're dragging the dog in the car. They don't like car rides. I mean, that stuff all translates into what my experience with your dog looks like. Um, so if you're, you know, sometimes that has to start at home, but if your dog walks in my door and is nervous and won't approach me. I'm sitting on the floor. I have treats. I have several different kinds of treats. Um, I'm tossing them at your dog. I'm holding my hand out with the treat in the in the hand, trying to get the dog to come to me. If that's not working, you know, I'm going to like drum my nails on the floor. Try to try to figure out what turns your dog on. What what what's going to make your dog happy and willing to come in to to see me. Um, oftentimes we've been doing these things called meet and treats, um, where if your dog is one of the severe cases where it really can't walk through my gate, then we're just having you come in anytime you're just popping in. We're throwing handfuls of the dog's favorite cookies on the floor. We're spending a couple minutes out there in the lobby with you and hello and goodbye. So every time the dog comes in, they're having an experience like, Oh my gosh, I get to go into this place. I eat 100 hot dogs off of the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And then I get to go home and like, how fun is that? Like, oh my gosh. And then here, you know, then the car rides exciting because they're, oh my gosh, I might be going to that place that I get all the hot dogs. And, um, you know, so then we get them in the door and then we've got to get them in the tub and it's the same way, kind of get them into the tub room. Everything's quiet. We try to make sure the, um, environment for a fear-free client is quiet and, um, calm. We have, uh, lavender sprays and things like that, that we can, kind of use diffusers in the air for, for their scent too. Um, and just let them explore the area make sure that they're doing it at their comfort level and we're not forcing them to do anything. Um, the dogs have choices. They have choices. Um, you know, when, when Mac, uh, I don't know if you remember the very first time we had him groomed, he was afraid to come in, um, and he was ducking down a little bit and, uh, Megan had to coax him a little bit, but now when we pull up to the, to the soggy doggy, it's a different story. <laughs> but um, I like how you took the time to approach him because we'd only had him for a short period of time. And if you think about his emotional life, he just went from the shelter to my house to your shop to get groomed, right? right? Um, and then that first day, he just wasn't sure uh, what was happening, who you were, right. uh, what was going to go down. And now he's really excited about going. Um, and now in one time he saw you outside of the shop and I thought he was going to lose his mind. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I saw you outside of hours. Uh, but just taking that extra time for him, um, especially in that critical time frame for him when he was just getting acclimated into our family. Right. So right. everything had just changed. Right. Um, and now we are going to the groomer. Right. So it was a big piece for him that he's now not afraid to go to the groomer and in fact enjoys going. 
right. to your and, shop. <laughs> and if you think about it, I mean, you don't know, like on a day-to-day basis, people don't give me their rundown of what their week has been like or leading up to the hours and minutes that have caused this, you know, come you, you're dropping your dog off with me at this appointment, but they could, this oftentimes has happened where even a client who's happy to come in on a normal basis is, is happy dog, whatever, easy to groom, no problem has just been left for two weeks vacation while their, you know, their family went somewhere and now they're getting dropped off again and they can even be a little bit anxious. Um, you know, so it's just, it's reading the situation every day, even if it's the same dog on a different visit, they might be having a different experience that day. If their owner was stressed, um, or their owner was having a bad day that they pick up on all of those emotions as we know. So it's, it's just reading the, reading the moment and learning how to read the dog in the moment. Um, that's critical. And so it's for just our, like us, sometimes, sometimes they're having a bad day. Sometimes you're in a mood, right? right. It's like something. <laughs> right. And for our listeners, uh, then I think a take home message is, you know, again, to consider all the things that are preceding this appointment, but also to communicate to the groomer, any changes or, or what may have been going on, uh, most recently that could affect the, the grooming experience. So, you know, responsibility for that is on the owner as well. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and, um, you know, it should, you should be asked these questions when you go to your groomer, you should be asked, um, you know, has there been any, any different health changes, any allergies, sensitivities, food issues, treat issues, any recent vomiting or upset stuff at home, anything, anything like that. We should know that because that is going to help us best care for your pet, you know, while they're in our, in our salon. And when they are there, Megan, how do you ensure the safety of the pets in your care? Um, safety in what way? Well, I guess I, I had a couple of clients uh, who have brought their dogs to me because a mishap has, has occurred at the groomer, meaning that they've uh, slipped, um, you know, maybe tried to jump off the table and oh, okay. restrained. Um, you know, we've all seen the the little tether that helps keep them in place when they're up on a table. Yeah. Um, you know, older dogs or dogs with disabilities that that can't stand for a long time. And then they, they come back to PT and they're super sore, painful, fatigued. Yep. Yep. So um, that's safety is like huge importance. First, we are also um, pet certified in CPR and first aid. So there's that. Um for just general safety and Great. cuts and nicks and anything like that. Yes. Um, however, uh, um, and your, your groomers should be, and you should ask that. That's important. You should know that. Um, so in the tub, we have a uh, metal grate on the, that's kind of elevated from the bottom of the tub. So they're not standing in water. That's number one. And then on top of that is just a regular like shower bath mat, non-slip, very grippy. Um cushiony and then we have grooming loops in there so they're attached to the tub we they are never left unattended um there is always a person with a dog um or a person watching a dog there's always a hand on a dog um or a set of eyes on the dog so we're not like putting a dog in the tub and then walking away into another room to get something because they're attached that doesn't work that way because they can jump out or flip a leg out or get stuck or whatever. That's just common sense. Um, so that's kind of how they're restricted. So they're restricted in the tub and they've got 
the soft footing, the cushiony um, non-slip pad in the tub, we also have crates. So when they're not with us or not being worked on, they're in a crate. Um, we have towels or mats or bedding that can be put in the crate if we think a dog has, uh, you know, issues with hips or joint pain or stiffness or anything like that. Um, on the table, we have uh, the grooming loops, which I think is what you're talking about, Chris. Um, which right. Is how I we... didn't know what the name was for that, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Grooming loops. So those do go around their neck. And we have had a couple of dogs that have had um, trach- have trach issues, um, throat issues, or pacemakers. So they can't have um, grooming loops around their neck. So what we'll do is put them around their chest or put it around the neck with one leg through it and keep it lower. Also, we can some do some dogs on the floor. Um, so that happens too. We hmm. generally will contort ourselves in uncomfortable positions in order to make your dog more comfortable. <laughs> Kathy and I know um, about Chris that. comes in human physical therapy. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. do. Take one for um, the team. So- Exactly. She's seen, she's seen yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. Take one for the team. So, and we also have, um, there's a great product out there called paw mat. Um, and it's, it's like a really thick yoga mat with, with, um, I don't know, it's just like soft and it's got, I don't know, a quarter of an inch thick, maybe, or maybe thicker than that. I don't know, but we use that for, for the older guys, the, um, sensitive guys. And sometimes actually enjoy it and you don't actually have to loop them up at all. Um, I have quite a few clients that, don't need to be looped and they just, they just stay there or they lay down. Um, but as long as they're attended, they shouldn't be jumping off or doing anything like that. Obviously we are working with live animals and accidents happen. Um, but you know, we, we do try our best to limit anything like that. I think that, um, one of the things that makes me think about the safety is that, um, I have a lot of clients that have, uh, senior, you know, elderly dogs and they're, they're afraid, they're afraid to bring, Are they afraid that their dogs are in fragile state um, and that something is going to, you know, set them off um, either their pain or their soreness or their stiffness. Um, But um, I think that the senior dogs actually are probably one of the most important dogs for getting their grooming again, just like we talked about for their skin, their nails, uh, their overall health. So these dogs, maybe people don't think necessarily, I don't want to put my older dog through that. Well, you know, first of all, if we, if we have the fear-free experience, then, you know, that, that makes it so much better. But I think that these older dogs are probably very well the bigger candidates for even to make sure, certainly, that they get groomed uh, because they're at so much more risk for other things, slipping, falling, right. uh, getting injured in their home right. because of their nails or their, you know, so. So as I was saying before, each individual is treated um, case by case. So when a, when a senior dog comes in, um, you know, we're going to see how that dog is feeling in general, what the owner is telling us about what their mobility has been or what their issues have been, what leg is bothering them, how they can't stand up, you know, whatever it is, we know that. And then we take that into consideration when we are, you know, going through the grooming process. So those dogs, you know, we try to get them done as quick as we can while they're as comfortable as can. We call those actually senior comfort grooms. So the more important thing is that the hair comes off where it needs to come off, the nails come off, and the dog is comfortable. It does not matter what your dog looks like that day. Those <laughs> that just doesn't. I mean, we always do our best yeah. to yeah. to to give you a you know a cute, pretty yeah. haircut. But it is um, humanity over vanity when it comes to that point. Yeah. That um, whatever makes your dog comfortable enough to go home and not be stressed out, <clears throat> excuse me, is the best in that situation. So so those palm mats that I was talking about. 
dog gets put on those. If it takes two of us, it takes two of us. If it's one person to hold the dog up while the other person just is able to quickly cut their nails, even if it's just one foot, then the dog can lay down. Then maybe we work on the face while the dog is taking a break. Then maybe we lift them up again. I mean, it's all based on what that individual needs for the day. Um, okay. Okay. Moment. Wait, 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 wait. I want to go back to two things. Oh, well, I know what you're going to say. I know well, what you're going to say. Go I, I, I got two. I got two. So one, <laughs> you called it a comfort something. Senior comfort. comfort. Senior comfort groom. Senior comfort groom. That just sounds lovely. <laughs> and Kathy, let's say it together. Humanity, uh, humanity over, over vanity. vanity. <laughs> We're going to tagline that. That Megan. is a great. Humanity that is a great over vanity. Um, I would like to talk just a, just for a second. That I know that I sometimes get people in in our office who go, "My dog got a bad haircut and she's embarrassed." I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think I think he, the owner might be, but I don't think the dog feels that. So um, I think uh, I think humanity over vanity should be trademarked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. But it's true. It's true. I mean, and and if a dog, if they think their dog feels embarrassed, it's because they didn't like the haircut or they're laughing because the dog yes. came out of the groomer and is completely shaved or whatever the situation yes. may be, that it's their emotion that they're projecting onto the dog. Yes. Um, yeah. It's like not understanding. Exactly. The owner's embarrassed and now the dog's like, oh my, there's something to be embarrassed about. Wrong with they look at me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I love that. And <laughs> I would always coach uh, you know, my my owners of, of the the patients that I had in rehab, you know, a couple different things because maybe they've been going to this groomer forever and uh, they, you know, love them, they have a great relationship. But now it's a different day for their dog. And so I would say, can you contact them? You know, you've been a great client. Can you contact them and see if they can do your dog start to finish so that they don't have to, you know, maybe be there unnecessarily long, which even emotionally can can be fatiguing for these dogs that may not have a lot of, of endurance um, because of what they're dealing with. Um, or giving them breaks, you know, as needed, as you spoke to, you know, that, that, that these groomers are willing to accommodate. And I have found that more recently that is happening more and more. It's much easier. You know, the client would come in and say, yeah, I called them. And, and they said, you know, bring them in right at seven and she could have them done by eight, you know, so I'm just going to bring them in before work or, you know, whatever the case. And they're so thrilled and they didn't even think to ask. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's something too, that, you know, I think our listeners can, you know, just don't be afraid to ask, you know, tell them what's going on. Yeah. 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 Okay. The worst that somebody can do is say no. Exactly. And then you find a new groomer. No. And then you find no. somebody else who will do the right thing for you. <laughs> right, right. Well, I want to speak a little bit uh, about the Sani clip too, because this was something that I, I wasn't familiar with in terms of terminology. And, you know, now after being in rehab and things for a, a long time, you know, I the a dog or for that matter, a cat might come in and, and I, I'd be like, Oh, well, that's an interesting haircut. And they're like, Oh, it's a Sandy clip. Well, now I know, now I know. Right. <laughs> so um, Megan, can you describe that for our listeners? And again, when that might be indicated, uh, you know, what, what is the function of that and how it helps with the dog's health and well being? Sure. Um, so a sanitary clip is just what you might think it, it has to do with, um, the dogs being able to go to the bathroom or being able to be clear to go to the bathroom. Um, 
oftentimes actually we see this a lot in people wanting their cats to have sanitary clips um, where sometimes the cats can't clean themselves any longer when they get older, they can't bend in the right way or they're not taking care of their coats the right way. And the owner isn't maintaining and, um, and it gets matted or they're going to the bathrooms on themselves and things like that. So it's just shaving those areas to make sure that they're clean and that they can stay clean. They're easy to clean for the animal. They're easy to clean for the owner. Um, and they're just nice short clips that way. Right. Uh-huh. So oftentimes it's a, it's a very furry dog that has a very dense coat or cat to your yep. point. Um, and, you know, and maybe it's not even that, that they're not able to, to clean themselves, but that they have an, a medical issue going on. You yeah. Know, yeah. Right. Or they have a medical issue. Yep. And sometimes there's also, um, this is kind of a weird one, but some male dogs pee and then they walk and then they pee on themselves. Yes. Um, so there's kind of like a reverse of a sanitary clip where you can leave a little bit of a longer hair. Um, so it kind of, it's sort of like you make a wick so they can direct their pee just like goes down instead of going under their front legs. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's, <laughs> a wick. I love that. Who, I'm picturing who it. knew, I'm Chris? Picturing it. Who knew? <laughs> and, and urine, again, just as a reminder for our audience, urine is very acidic. And so if that stays on their skin because it gets trapped in all that fur and, and the animal can't uh, clean themselves or the human can't do it adequately, that can really cause uh, painful uh, skin irritants. It burns. Yeah, literally yeah burns. burns. I will. I will actually speak to my personal dog on that one. So I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback. He's an intact male, and he does what I just said, where he walks and he pees all over everything. Um, and his pee is so acidic that sometimes when he lays, if he hasn't finished or like there's a little bit of a dribble, I've noticed that he gets like a, a rashy burn, um, like right in his groin from where his penis lays up against him like that Mm -hmm. and um, yeah and then that has to be treated with with a topical treatment and you just have to like keep an eye on it make sure it's keeping clean so even even dogs that aren't long coated um ridgebacks for those of you don't know are very short coated dogs so yeah and and you know also fecal matter you know full of bacteria and if if that isn't uh cleaned away then that can lead to urinary tract infections especially for female dogs and and you know just skin infections themselves uh, you were you were talking about uh, you know cats. Uh, I was going to save the story, um, but my friend Marsha uh, adopted a cat named Stars, and it wasn't because Stars was old. She was actually very young, but Stars was um, very rotund. And yeah. she, she liked, you know, she didn't miss a meal, and it it got to be a health problem in that Stars could not get around her belly yeah. oh no herself yes so marcia she got a sandy clip and marcia has worked on on decreasing stars weight and stars has lived a happy life for years and years and years um but i recently saw marcia and she says she she has now learned how to help stars and you know clip her and clean her mm-hmm. and uh that sort of thing um maybe it had to do with the the, the fact that uh, stars was a, a found kitten um, and mm-hmm. when Marsha let her loose in her house, she went under her gas stove and I scooped her out with a spoon. And so I think she's been forever traumatized um, by that experience. Uh, needless to say, stars is not a fan of Chris Cranston. <laughs> Chris Cranston, she remembers that poor star. She was too chumpy, too chubby to get around to the back. Yep. Yep. <laughs> kid. 
Poor yep. kid. That's her story. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it seems like uh, I think we're we're just about ready to wrap up here, Chris. But I had just a few more things I was hoping that Megan could speak to for our audience um, about uh, giving advice on. Uh, and I think we touched on this, but maybe we could, uh, you know, round it up a little bit here about the frequency of bathing, brushing, and nail trims. Oh, sure. Um, so, like I said, what's recommended is is monthly grooming. Like every four to six weeks is good for grooming. Um, and that's the same for bathing. And, and because of that 21 day cycle, um, if you bathe them too frequently, you can strip out the natural oils that they use to distribute, you know, throughout their hair, which without going into the science of it, it protects the function of the hair and the coat and the color and all of that stuff. But um, if you strip out all of that oil and you're not replacing it, um, you know, you can actually start causing skin irritations and, and things like that. Um, so there, there is too frequent of a, of bathing if the dog can't handle it. Yeah. Good um, to know. Good yeah. To know. Um, but I mean, on the other end, there's lots of dogs that do get weekly bathing. I mean, I would use, if you're going to do more often than once a month, I'd make sure you check with your vet first, um, and see if there's a medical reason to be doing that. Um, I do have clients that come in weekly because their vet recommended it. Um, you know, so, so that's based on each individual, but in general, it's, it's four to six weeks for bathing, um, at home brushing, you want to be doing that depending on what kind of coat type you have. If you have, you know, a poodle coat or a long coated dog, you want to be doing that every day or every other day. Um, the best thing to do to make sure you're protecting the coat itself and not damaging the coat. You want to, you want to be spraying some sort of a, um, detangler or a conditioning spray before you start brushing. So you're not breaking that coat. Cause then if you're breaking the coat, then you're going to go into damaging the, you know, natural regulation that that coat does for the body's temperature and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you want to be brushing daily. If you have a dog that has long hair or curly hair or coat that can mat up, um, you know, small dogs with not small dogs, but short hair dogs, um, Brushing is equally as important because you want to remove that dead coat. There's just different brushes that you can use for that. They don't need daily brushing. I mean, weekly or biweekly brushing would be good for that. Nail trims, like we talked about, is every two to six weeks, depending on the length of the nail. And, and you know, if you're just trying to maintain length or if you're trying to work a, work a quick back and get it onto a shorter nail, um, you'd be doing it more frequently. So Megan, in, in wrapping things up here, something did come to mind. Uh, growing up, uh, we had Shetland sheepdogs or Shelties. And for some reason, my mom thought that it was a good idea to have those dogs shaved in the summer because she thought that they were too hot, you know, with their, their thick uh, coats. Right. And, you know, they would grow out and I must say their, their coats were never the same after that. You know, they, they never looked um, as healthy. They weren't as shiny. And so c- can you speak to that? Yes. Um, that is definitely not something I recommend doing. Um, double coated dogs listening. like that. A lot, of, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand. We get most of the requests for haircuts on dogs like that are for golden retrievers. Mm. Um, what, because they think that their dog is hot. So that's always the reason that, oh, I think they're uncomfortable. I think they're hot. But what they don't understand is that um, each breed's coat, coat type has has designed been designed um, for a particular task for that breed. And, and, and the coats without, I can't like talk about it without like going really deep into it, into right. the 
um, uh, science of it, but coats are designed to protect the dogs from the elements. Um, their coats are designed to regulate their temperatures. So they stay cool in the winter. I mean, sorry, cool in the summer and warm in the winter, insulated and warm in the winter. That's why, you know, they grow extra coat and stay insulated in the winter and then they shed it all out in the summer. That's a natural process that their coats go through that we as groomers help maintain to clean that undercoat out and keep everything um, clean and working properly. And when you start cutting into those uh, primary hairs and those guard hairs and exposing the undercoat to you know, UV, UV lights and, and, and the elements, you're yes. really damaging what the coat was designed to do. And they are actually, you're actually making it worse. You're actually making them uh, be unable to regulate their heat better. Um, so we always educate people when they ask us to do something like that, we tell them no, and we tell them why and make sure that they understand it. Um, Cause we want people to be happy. We want people to be you know, getting what they want, but not with sacrificing the the dog. Yeah. Right, right. And I, and, you know, I talked about the aesthetic um, of our Shelties after, but to your point, uh, their coat was also very rough, very coarse. So I knew that it was permanently damaged. It wasn't soft yeah. like it, it had been previously. So, well, thank you for, for talking about that here in yeah. the, the 11th well, hour. Thanks, Megan. Yeah. So Megan, in conclusion, Kathy tells me that your artwork was recently featured and this is a big deal. And when we're talking artwork, we're not talking paintings and drawings, but actually art with grooming. Yes, I am um, a creative groomer, which I get really excited about. Um, so I dye the coat on dogs and, and creative grooming, you can kind of transform. You can do like little things like dyeing ears and tails or feet different colors, or you can get really into detailed work, like um, kind of painting tattoos on their bodies. And and so far as to sculpting coat into different animals or different pictures or creations and things like that. So um, that's something that I do when I can do um, when I can do that. And yes, I had uh, uh, four of my images featured in a creative grooming book that came out this year um, called Fashion Pet. Wow. That's yeah. That is a big cool. deal. That is a big yeah. deal. I I actually have have something that that I would like to to say, and um, I know our show is getting a little bit long, but uh, I I think this is kind of cool. So in uh, preparing for this interview, you know, of course, I I re- research our friend Megan, and uh, they have some testimonials that are on their website. And I just thought that these would be kind of nice, uh, nice parting um, words. Megan is the most passionate, caring, and knowledgeable person when it comes to animals. You only meet a few people in your lifetime that are genuinely born to do what they are doing. And this is the case when it comes to Megan. She is a master at her craft. So She really is. I love that. Very talented. Now, so um, we will put up the website um, for the Soggy Doggy in our show notes, and you'll find words like humane, gentle, affectionate, understanding, goodwill, integrity, uh, peppered throughout the the website. And you know, for those of you out there that aren't near Norwood, uh, Massachusetts, you know, those are some of the things that you should uh, look for when you're researching a groomer for your own dog. 
I'll actually jump into and say um, there's there's uh, the Fear Free Pets. I, I don't know their actual webpage, but we can find it. Um, I think it's fearfreepets.com. They actually have a directory. So if you're not near Norwood um, or you're wondering if your your groomer or your vet is fear free or offers fear free or you're looking one looking for one that offers it, they actually have a directory where you can look up by your Fantastic. zip code and find professionals uh, in your area that that um, are in on that program. Awesome. Wonderful. That's a great resource. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for taking all this time with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Petability Podcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please go to enableyourpet.com. Thank you and please tune in next time.